The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Palmetto Championship recap episode. And joining me to break it all down, that's Greg Ducharme. Greg, hey, buddy. Hey, what's going on, Rick? <laughs> Not much. Uh, that was, uh, you know, we we were doing our first look for the U.S. Open a couple of hours ago, and I think I was a little bit stuck in the mud of how that tournament was going to play out. And uh, while it might not have uh, turned out perfectly for everyone, it was at least exciting at the end. I didn't know well, what was going to happen. <laughs> right, right. That's the thing is you you felt like Hadley was going to win in spite of his play. Um, you, you just kind of felt like there was no other, like it couldn't, po- he couldn't possibly <laughs> give up this lead. It, it couldn't no. pop. And nobody really charged. Garrett Higo shot 68. There were a couple of, but it just felt like it was too far back for, for the charge to really count. Bo Van Pelt kept making, he, you know, he makes some great, sh- hit some great shots, make a couple mistakes. Um, when, when he got near the lead, he just felt like Hadley was going to fall into it. Yeah. And it, it was just too much for him. And all of a sudden, Garrick Higo, who we talked about a little bit earlier in the week, he was an, an interesting guy in, in, um, in DFS and everything. But all of a sudden, he's your winner. Uh, it's, he led for uh, one second of this event, but the most important one second, the, the right. last one. <laughs> right. Um, it, you never thought he was... You never thought he was the guy because it felt like Van Normally when a number is posted in a PGA tour event, it's rare that it's good to post. Correct. They talk about it. It gets talked about all the time. Like, Oh, if if you could post a number, you never know, but it it doesn't really work all that often. (laughs) Right. Post you, you want to have holes on the PGA tour. You want the guys that have holes to go. Typically somebody figures out a way to get it done. And, and, Garrick Higo didn't have the holes. Bo Van Pelt had holes. Um, and and Harris English had holes. And Cheston Hadley had holes. And you you figured one of them would be able to uh, cross the finish line and get it done. But, hey, uh, um, he posted and it, it everyone fell around him. It worked. Posting a number is the biggest scam on the PGA Tour. Never, never works. Don't worry about posting. Just keep firing, going yeah. low. Um, Maybe a major. You might see that something like, a like US, that next like week. Next week, yeah. But really, what, like, it doesn't happen that often. Where the, it really doesn't. It, it, it really doesn't. So usually it's some of the guys in the last couple of groups. We do have Kyle Porter on the schedule for this evening. He is finishing up some writing obligations, probably be with us momentarily. So we will march on, Greg. And before we jump into the results, plenty to talk about, but... Let's talk about the course. This is kind of a weird situation for Congaree. It's a a newer course. It's only four years old. It has this different type of vibe to it, and it's hosting a one-off event. So it's not like we're necessarily expecting to see it again anytime soon. But after what you saw this week, is this a place that, you know, as things open up, could we consider going back to this course? I think you could. Um I think the weather didn't do it justice the way we kind of expected. We didn't get a lot of what we expected on Sunday because of the rainstorm. Uh, and maybe that's a time of year issue, but um, we kind of expected the ball to be on the ground a little bit more, which it was running in the fairways. It was definitely mm-hmm. moving in the fairways, um, but it wasn't really moving on the greens all that much. And it makes it when, when a course is 
designed for the ball to be on the ground, you got to leave space. It's like Kapalua um, in Hawaii, although it's way more hilly. It's not a great comparison, but Kapalua is designed for the ball to roll down the hills. And if you need the width, you need an 80 yard wide fairway so you can hit it to the right half and it ends up in the left half. You can keep it in the fairway that way. Uh, And Congaree has a similar kind of design philosophy where you need that width um, in order to allow a shot to kind of hang in the fairway with all the roll. And when you lose some of that roll because of weather, it gets a little bit less interesting. It, you don't feel like there's a really challenging tee shot up ahead. You don't feel like it's really challenging to hit a green because the ball's holding a little bit. So all of a sudden, it it looks like the scores weren't, weren't all that great today, but it looks like it's bad play more than, wow, this is a really tough test. I think what I like is that if you're not in the fairway, you're at the mercy of anything that might happen to you. Right. Uh, it, it might be a, a nice, clean, sandy lie or hard pan with an angle, or you might be just absolutely cooked, no chance, wispy stuff. I just, I like the randomness aspect of it. And I don't know how much that played into this fairly random leaderboard that we ended up getting, but uh, I do like that you're kind of at the mercy of the course. And I can see someone just popped in on us here. That right there, that's Kyle Porter, KP. Welcome to the show. What's up? I, I love I love what you guys are talking about right now. I'm just going to jump in because I was reading an article by Andy Johnson who runs the Fried Egg, and he's big on on course architecture. I'd love to just listen to him and Craig just you know chop it up about courses. But he was talking about how with a lot of U.S. Open courses, the rough is thick and it's it's long, but it's very predictable. And the unpredictability that you get at a place like Congaree is maybe more interesting. It's not it's not necessarily harder, although it can be, but it it allows more guys to have a chance, right? It, when it's thick and long, and and you know Bryson's just trying to hit it as far as he can, you have a those guys, the longest guys, have a disproportionate advantage compared to a place like Congaree where they might get flyerwise, they might get. Um, you, you know, and the shorter guys have an opportunity to catch up with them where if you're hitting a four iron out of long rough at Tory next week, you got no hmm. chance. I mean, yeah. you, you're not going to be able to do that. So I think it makes a place like Congaree, um, it, 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 to me, it just creates a more diverse leaderboard than maybe you get at, at the U S open next weekend. When you get to the U.S. Open next week, you'll see um, uh, certain holes will have really long, like left of twelve will be will be really long, and you'll hear the line. Brutal. This is the this is the thickest rough on the whole property. This this spot here, <laughs> left of twelve or whatever. I'm I'm just making up twelve, um, but that tends to happen. And at at a place like Congaree, Pinehurst, very similar. You don't really get that. So a a, le- a miss to the left of a certain hole they're not all created equal. Luck comes into play big time. And sometimes you can be completely fine. It can turn out to be an advantage. And sometimes like DJ on 16, you can be, uh, you know, completely in trouble and have to pitch out. Which, which scenario do you like better? Cause I think there's a, there's a real argument for saying, I don't want to bring luck into it. I'd rather have the graduated rough. Right. And, and we didn't get that at, at, uh, where Wingfoot last year, it was kind of all like, or it seems like, as far as I remember, it was all one height. So I think the graduated right. rough m- makes it more fair, I guess. But I'm curious about which which version you like better, Greg. See, before you thing, jump into that, yeah. because you're you're the one most well equipped to answer that question. I, I want to throw this one at you as well, because be, what I understand that graduated rough, which I think is a brilliant idea, is like an absolute nightmare to try to a- execute. And places don't want to try to do that. But in theory, I like the idea. But from what I understand, and maybe you can enlighten us, it is incredibly difficult to do correctly. Right. You got to adjust. I mean, adjusting the height of a mower may not be that big of a challenge, but you got to measure. You got to measure. And, and yeah. these things aren't straight lines. You're not mowing yeah. straight lines, right? You got to, it's, there's a little it's bit. It's like when you get a haircut involved. and they have to blend it. Like, you yes. know, it's not just yes. one buzzer and one next buzzer. <laughs> right. And you got to go around with the contours of the holes and then there's something. And it's, 
you know, what, who on your staff is spending that time cutting the rough? You're, you typically won't have your, your very best, um, maintenance guy mowing the rough. It's, it's, it's typically an easier job. It's less important. There's more room for error. Um, so, you know, that, that's another issue, but here's the thing with graduated rough, um, and rough in general, when you have no spectators, like at winged foot, it, it's very uniform, very fair throughout the entirety of the property. But when you add spectators, think back to the 2019 farmers when Mark Leishman hits three fairways on Sunday and wins. But he was missing fairways big. And, and it almost turns into the bigger you miss, the better off you are. You get penalized yeah. the most for missing the closest to the fairway. So uh, the concept of graduated rough, I understand, um, but but the penalty seems backwards in a way, which kind of bothers me. You don't get that at a place like Congaree or a place like Pinehurst. Um, but there there is, at the same time, that element of luck, which I'm not a huge fan of. It's just there's this one problem with rough where the bigger your miss is, the more um, of an advantage you actually can get depending on how many trees there are brings in a whole different conversation very important element of the conversation but uh so i guess long and short of it is you're going to get luck to some degree no matter what when you're off the fairway i would say i i prefer more traditional rough where the miss left at 12 is really bad no matter what um you're not going to get that lucky break um because the difference between pitching out and being completely fine is just such a wide it's a really wide difference at a place like Congaree. so i guess i'd lean slightly to the rough this diverse leaderboard that Congaree produced, eventually the man at the top won Garrick Higo, who KP, I, I, I've got so many little nuggets, I don't even know where to start here. Let's go with this one. Wins in his second career PGA Tour start. And if you look at his results now worldwide, he's won three of his last five, uh, if you include his two victories on the European Tour just a few weeks ago. So I've got a Higo take and <laughs> shockingly. Um, so I don't think he is a, he played well this week. I don't, I don't know that he's like a king. Like if, if you've read about him or, or, or kind of heard about him, it's not like he was this can't miss, you know, um, Justin Thomas type from South Africa. And just because he's from South Africa, we don't know anything about him. That, that wasn't his deal. He went to UNLV. Um, he was, he was okay there. His best finish his first year was like a, a fifth place at a tournament. You're like, okay, well that's, that's fine. And now he's winning PGA tour events three years later. It, it's, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And his numbers on data golf are, they're fine. They're not great. But here's the thing about him that I love, and this is where I think the way that we view golf melds with the way that Mark Illman views golf. God, I'm so glad he's not on here to talk about I know. <laughs> I was thinking about uh, that. <laughs> Higo, this is, this is Higo's 49th OWGR start, so his 49th event at an OWGR event. He's won seven of them. Mm -hmm. Now, that's across Challenge Tour, Africa, uh, I think uh, Sunshine, um, European, and now PGA Tour. But he, like, he just has this skill of winning, which I think is you and you and I probably underrate that, right? Because we look at strokes gain, all this different stuff. He just wins. I mean, it's it's like to win seven. I don't care what freaking tour you're on if you're winning seven times and 49 starts that's super impressive so that's kind of my big takeaway from him from him winning this event it's a great skill to have greg if the skill that you have is winning is winning golf tournaments and that's something he's he's done um as kyle mentioned prolifically yeah it, it is uh the only skill you could argue the only skill that's important <laughs> right it kind of the reason you want to be good off the tee is so that you can win the reason you want to be good on the green is so that you can win so it, it's like what's the most important statistic in golf well i always say it's scoring average Right. But winning may be even more important than that. So it's a it's a great thing to see. Um, it's just this uncanny knack, which is 
kind of interesting. That's a lot. Um, it's a the lot most important money. stat on the PGA Tour is the official money list. That's that's the most important <laughs> one. Yeah. Well, maybe it's FedEx Cup points. <laughs> FedEx Cup points. Yeah. Um, so, so a couple other couple other good nuggets here. Obviously, this now <laughs> two starts in that was easy. Able to uh, secure his spot on the PGA Tour through 2023. The last golfer uh, to win. So he entered the final round trailing by six strokes. That's the largest comeback with 18 holes to play on the PGA Tour since Bubba Watson did it at the 2018 Travelers. And KP, we were talking about this, I think, you, before you went on, and, and maybe this was a benefit to Higo. Uh, he, he just kind of was there. As everyone melted down around him, it, it was he was in the lead for one moment. It was the moment the golf tournament was over. I don't know if it was beneficial or if it would have been a different result if he was out front trying to hold on to this thing. But uh, it, it just felt like he was the one pillar as everyone else collapsed. Yeah, it, I mean, we were watching the last hour or whatever, and it was like, is this the final round of a tour event or is it the first round of a, you know, corn fairy event? Like nobody was, everybody was playing terribly, right? Like, I mean, I felt so bad for Chesson Hadley because, you know, if, if, I don't know, if DJ blows an event, you're like, whatever, he's going to win 10 more, doesn't matter. But Chesson Hadley blowing an event, like when's your next shot? Is it in five years, five months? I, I don't know, you know? And so it was, uh, it was strange. I don't think that, I mean, it doesn't cheapen. He still won, but again, like it's, it, and it kind of plays into what I'm talking about. This skill of like, you're the one that's up after 72 holes, not 70, not 75, but 72. And I think that is maybe I'm giving too much credit there, but it, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was just, he played the back nine great too. I mean, he was flawless over the back nine. Shot a 32, I think, on the back to uh, to win it. So it was some bad play all around, but great play from Higo to win it. All right, we can give we can do the uh, the Mark Immelman uh, victory lap for him here. He was basically all in on Higo this week. Uh, also, I think we've got to find there it is. There's the if you're watching on YouTube, um, as producer Jacob mentions, you know some some events you get to shake Jack's hand after winning it, uh, but more <laughs> importantly here. You get you get Mark Immelman on the scene, dapping up Garrick Higo on the range as he finds out he is victorious. A very cool moment here. You Looks hate like to see an it. you hate <laughs> to see an objective journalist just playing favorites here. It's just tough to watch. You got to get that camera now, shine. I don't blame him for this. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. It, it is. It's great. It's it's very cool. You know, I th I think that I think it's interesting because a lot of those young. A lot of the young South Africans, like they, like they know the Immelman brothers, they know Trevor, they know Mark. They've been around and and I'm sure you know mentored and and uh, kind of cared, you know, taking those guys under their wing. I, I read an article on PJTour.com by Ben Everell talking about it was it was a quote from Trevor Immelman talking about how uh, Higo reminded him personality wise of Phil Mickelson. So I, I think that there's there's obviously a, a, a nice kinship there among among the South Africans. I'm just glad Mark's not here to chirp about his uh, low South African bet, which he made on Tuesday. I'm sure by next to, you know, to this upcoming Tuesday, we will talk about this again. Don't you worry about that. But uh, one final thing that we got to give props to Mark on here, Greg, is I don't know if you remember this before the season started, we played this little game. And one of the one of the things that we did is we tried to pick a golfer who was currently at the time outside the top 100 in the world who would make a big move. I don't remember how we defined it into the top 25 is probably how we did it. I remember I picked Harold Varner the third. That's not working out so great. Yeah. But Mark went with Garrick Higo, and three wins later, Higo is going to wake up Monday morning as the 39th ranked player in the world, and now full PGA Tour status. I mean, this is... Obviously, uh, it goes without saying, a huge pr moment for his career. It, it's such a risky play because he's not a PGA Tour member. 
Got, I went with Taylor Gooch, who you know is going to mm. have PGA Tour starts, um, and I, he hasn't made a huge move, um, but but you know he's going to have PGA Tour starts, so he has a really good chance of getting into some WGCs. He's got um, there, there's a really good avenue for him to make a big move if he plays well. It's going to be on the PGA Tour. It's going to yield a lot of World Golf ranking points um, for Garrick Higo. The risk in in that pick by Mark is the guy's going to end up on the PGA Tour. Basically, or, or he's going to have to win, and he has done both. So, both of those things, uh, yeah, extremely impressive and it, just a, extremely risky. So, kudos to kudos to Mark on that one. The man who entered the day with a four-shot lead, his name is Chesson Hadley. He shot a seventy-five kp. It was low lighted by bogeys on 16, 17, and eighteen. This, to me, I described to Greg before we went hot was a like a slow motion car wreck. It was you, you, you. It felt like it was coming. You, there wasn't enough time to stop, and it just was a matter of time before he bled all of these strokes back. He just never looked like he had it over the final stretch. No, and his, I mean, his tee to green play was, it was awful. I mean, I think he was, I don't know, last in the field in approach shots on Sunday or second to last, something like that. I, I don't, I don't know what the final number was. Uh, 68th. I he lost 4.6 shots approaching the green. That's it was, and that's the worst. There's nobody. There was nobody worse. That is, guys. He hit four green. He hit four greens. Well, and here, and and I kind of, I didn't know that was going to happen. I wrote a little bit about how, like, this is this is why we talk about when guys are leading a field and putting on Saturday night, and they're winning the tournament. It's different on Sunday where your swing has to hold up under even under like real pressure. And if it's not, if it's kind of shaky throughout the tournament, that's a difficult proposition, right? Like that's, that's the, that's the reason that we talk about stats the way that we do. It doesn't always, you know, play out like that. And I think this is like a rare instance in which it plays out exactly like that. It doesn't, it doesn't always go exactly the way that, the stats are, are kind of saying that it's going to go, but it was brutal. I've got a quote here from, uh, from Hadley where he says, uh, it, you know, it sucks, right? I can only imagine what it looked like on TV because it looked freaking awful from my view. I mean, I could barely keep it on the planet. That eight iron from the fairway on the last hole is inexcusable, which it, it, it kind of was. Uh, I just didn't have it today. It was bad and I've got to do better and I will just got to keep after it. So I think it's hard because you get so close to winning. Like, it, uh, there we go. We've got the quote up there. Good job, Jacob producer, Jacob. Um, <laughs> You get so close to winning at the end, even though, you know, if you flip the numbers around and this happens at the beginning of the fourth round or in the third round or something like that, it doesn't feel as bad, but you were right there and you just couldn't make us one par over the last. I mean, he was up three with three to go on Higo specifically, and he just needed one par and he couldn't get it. He, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you brought the the perception versus reality thing into this because the first part of that Hadley quote was, if I shot a 75 on in the first round, then 65, 66, 68, I'd be tickled. Which Greg, yeah, it's abs- it's absolutely true. If you told him before the week he was going to finish T2, he would have been thrilled. He would have been d- doing cartwheels around his around his hotel, all that good stuff. Uh, it's just kind of the way that it shakes out. And yeah, I mean, it was it was tough to watch. You, you certainly don't wish uh, wish this upon upon anyone i mean he looked i mean the the putt he backed off the putt on 18 and it just i mean he looked like he couldn't feel his his body parts it was it was just tough you look at um if you listen to basketball coaches and what they say going into games they talk a lot about first five minutes coach k was big on this first five minutes last five minutes and those are the those are the moments in a game where um if, if you can dominate or play really well, play your best in the first five minutes and the last five minutes, it's a sign that you're ready to go. Um, and, and when you struggle in those moments, you come out a little bit flat, you're maybe a little unprepared, um, unprepared for the moment or, uh, you know, unprepared um, mentally in another way, it, it's a sign. 
And when you see this start of par bogey bogey on one of the easiest stretches of the course and then bogey 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 to finish, that's a sign of feeling the pressure. And so Chesson just was not ready. He was not comfortable. It was it was very clear all day. He wasn't comfortable. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to be leading a PGA Tour event by four. Um, that being said, going forward, I don't I actually think this could be kind of a good thing for him in a way. It was so bad. It was so bad. It's it it's almost okay. It's not like there's one shot that sneaks in there and he doesn't know what's going to happen. He he just he he completely got away from what got him there. And there's a there's a process that you go through that leads to results. And it looked to me like he's thinking about winning or not winning. He's thinking about the result. I heard this great quote the other day that said um, process over result equals dollar sign. Result over process equals zero. And that that's like exactly what we saw from Chess and Hadley today. So I, I think that being said, it's kind of an, um, it, it's something you can work on. It, it's not an easy fix, but there's a very clear solution. The game isn't broken. He's just got to get a little more focus going into a final round, take on the challenge from a different perspective. And I think he'll be fine. In his defense, I can blame this on Puerto Rico, at least a little bit on the, on the curse. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, come on a four shot lead. What did everybody tweet out? Uh, If you have a four shot lead on the PGA tour, everybody wins these. Nobody ever loses these. Well, if you win the Puerto Rico open in 2014, can you, can you define the Puerto Rico curse for me? Because, okay. So at this point, at this point, it's evolved a little bit, but at this point, what is still (laughs) remaining is, uh, you have to be very careful about the way you say this. A no winner of the Puerto Rico open has ever won another event that has been played inside the United States. So the, after, the ca- after winning in Puerto Rico. Correct. So the caveat was Michael. I always want to say Michael Thompson. That's not correct. Michael Bradley. That's also not correct. No, it is. That Michael is Bradley. He, okay. he was the soccer, he was a soccer player, but also the golfer. He won the Puerto Rico open again afterwards. Yeah. So you have yeah. to specify it's not another event. And then of course, Victor Hovland won, but he did it at Mayakoba, which is not in the United States. So oh, that's where so we're at. I, I see your line there. Yeah. So you still you're, uh, you're still hanging on. Continental United States. Puerto Rico is still in the United States. So you get us in continental. There you go. States. Yeah. All right. Great point. So so that means Fino is going to win like three tournaments in Hawaii. Well, yeah. what I was hoping, what I was hoping, yes, yeah, exactly. So what I was hoping is that um, I, I could argue the Puerto Rico Open was so strong that Hovland had to kind of chop its legs out, and then Hadley was able to kind of, uh, you know, chop the head off, and then Finau winning next week would have been the pure sign that it is over and done with, and then we could have so just it, put it, it to bed. It's still lingering. The curse it, is still lingering. Unfortunately, it appears so. But I, I think um, to what Kyle was saying earlier about his swing not being a little shaky through the week and showing up on Sunday, listening to him um, talk about it before the round and and listen and watching him walk and move and swing, it was almost like he knew he didn't he knew he didn't have it. It was like he knew he wasn't going to win before he even went out there. It was, it was such a different interview he gave than any of the other interviews during the week. Everything changed for him going into today. So I I think that's because he kind of knew in a way that his game wasn't really ready and his mind wasn't ready to overcome that. So I think, I think sometimes pros, not that they're not, I mean, obviously they're trying to win. I think sometimes they feel guilty or like, Remember the way that Phil talked about his 06 U.S. Open at Wingfoot when he was like, well, I, you know, I didn't really like basically I didn't deserve to win. I think there's this weird subconscious thing where they know they're not really flushing it and they're kind of just getting by. Like, I, I, I think it's it's weird to watch pro like what what you're saying. It's weird to watch pros do that or t- talk like that or sound like that in interviews that they give or, or kind of the way they talk about their tournament. And I think that's probably what we saw from Hadley this week. I've got a couple more guys I want to get through here. Uh, Bo Van Pelt. So this 
was a surprise. T2 for Bo Van Pelt, 66, 68. It's unbelievable. On the weekend. Let me try to illustrate this here, KP. So this is from Will Gray, uh, now with NBC. So he says, Bo, Val- Bo Van Pelt is playing off a one-time top 50 career money list exemption. So you can enact that one time. He did it during 2016. He played three times, tore his labrum, and then did not play for three years. So that exemption carried over to the 2019-2020 season. And of course, because of the pandemic and the 91 days that the PGA Tour shut down, no one from the 2019-2020 season lost their status. So that's what he's playing on right now. Obviously, uh, needs great results to find a way to continue uh, to keep his PGA Tour card, finishes a in a tie for second here, uh, essentially out of nowhere. He was 500 to one. I mean, he was he was more than double what Phil was to win the PGA. Think he about how crazy that almost won this. Like he needed <laughs> he needed to take three strokes from 195 yards on the 72nd hole to get into a playoff, and he took four. Right, he was one he was 195 out. He needed to not get up and down. He just needed to take three strokes, and he hit th- just a horrible bunker shot. Uh, after his uh, after his approach landed short, he he was awesome. I mean, he hit the ball really well. I I got a great quote from him too. Um, I found it after the round. He said, "So he had this weird thing over the last five years where he had he had multiple shoulder surgeries, but then and they mentioned this on the broadcast. He had a rib taken out to kind of alleviate. Yeah. I don't really know what the I don't know how that works. He called it his doctor called it a unicorn event or a unicorn injury or something like that." So he had, he had this great quote that was actually reminiscent of what um, Phil said after the PGA. This is Bo Van Pelt. He says, you've just got to work at it. Like I worked my ass off for my whole life just to get out here. And I needed, and I just needed to work a little harder. I think I didn't appreciate how hard it was going to be when you don't do anything competitively for three years, like stuff that we did that we just did naturally because I did it every day. I had to start over. I thought it would kind of take back up and be where I was. And I wasn't going to, uh, and I wasn't going to be that way. It was just hard work. And I thought that was really, um, I mean, he's 46. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to grind. Um, he's made a ton of money. I mean, his top 50 money exemption was how he got, uh, you know, was essentially right. why, why he was in this tournament. So, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. He's a good dude. Uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit just through Oklahoma state stuff. And, uh, he's just somebody like Charles Howe that just loves golf and he's obviously very good at it. Uh, and so it's cool to see him playing well again. I'm, I'm just, I'm just scrolling through his OWGR page here, Greg. And by my count since 2016, so that's five years ago, he's played a total of 40 events. He's missed the cut in 20 eight of them uh he doesn't have any top tens he's i mean this is this is a true i i do i like that i like kp's take like he doesn't have to grind here uh he's in the top 50 of the money list but the fact that he is it's kind of cool i completely agree we we look at what the pga tour player does effort wise based on dollars that they've earned as if everyone who goes to the pga tour goes there because they have to but the truth is nobody has to go play on the PGA tour. You don't, you, you don't have to at any point you could be a teaching pro do what we do, get into the meet. There are so many things you can do in the game of golf, but you love to play. So you, you do everything you can to make that happen and it's risky and it's expensive. And there are a lot of reasons why you shouldn't try to play uh, professional golf, but the guys that can, they really relish the opportunity and they appreciate it. And I think that's what you're hearing from um, Bo Van Pelt when you listen to that quote that Kyle read. Like, I'm not working at this because I have to um, to put food on the table. I'm working at this because I love the game. So um, it is great to see him back playing well. Um, he, he's got a great swing and I, I enjoy watching him. Um and again, I kind of felt like he really could have won this thing. If, if, if Every time he sniffed the lead, you could tell he got a little <laughs> uncomfortable too. Seems to be the theme of this tournament. He, like he was he not alone. Eagle. Right. Yeah. He was not alone. 
you make eagle and then all of a sudden it goes your tee shot on 13 goes immediately into the trees you make bogey there uh you get yourself you're at 11 under and you're right there with it again a chance to you're just getting closer to the lead with what chesson's doing and you completely block yourself out and then leave your pitch shot leave an impossible pitch over the bunker at 16. It was just kind of like disappointing the way you're, you're there and you should win. And then uh, no, you don't. And again, it's just that moment, those moments down the stretch when you haven't played in three years, you haven't contended in, in five years or more. Um, it's uncomfortable. It's a lot of pressure. It means a lot. And so it's, it's hard. And um, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see if this kind of play continues for him. Greg, you make it sound like anybody can do what we do. <laughs> if you have the, if if you know the game of golf, uh, Bo Van Pelt isn't anybody, right? These guys are, they're they're real golf fanatics. I, so, I think Bo Van Pelt has a podcast, by the way, so he actually does do what we do. Oh, he does. I think so he's doing both. Okay, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, that's a that's the better question. Uh, Producer Jacob might need to look that up for me. I'm pretty sure he has a podcast because. Uh, or yeah. he, he does it. He does a podcast with somebody else. It's called, he, well, I don't know how old this is, so don't quote me on this, but it's called both sides of the ball PGA tour veteran, Bo Van Pelt and golf writer, Farrell Evans tee up thoughtful conversations about golf culture and everything between on their podcast. Last episode, May 28th. So active rival. Thanks for, thanks for promoting on the show. Oh, sorry. Well, I was trying listen, he, he was trying, we were trying to schedule something for me to go on there. So I'm trying to cross promote here. I'm trying to get us into every market possible. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to, I like it. Rabbit hole. Uh, okay. Quickly here, gentlemen, Dustin Johnson. No. I don't know. I don't know what I watched this week. Uh, we we handed him the tournament on Friday evening because he opened up 65-68 even with a double on Friday on 18. He had to finish his third round uh, on this morning, Sunday morning, in which he bogeyed the hole he played this morning, 18. And then he made – and then after all that, uh, as he got to like 12 and 13 on Sunday – I thought he might win the golf tournament. He was 10 under. He was one shot off the lead. He was charging. He makes triple on 16. KP, what did you see? I'm somehow both more and less convinced that he's going to win in the U.S. Open than I was a week ago. I I don't... I I don't know. I don't know what I saw. I mean, the triple was like... First of all, whenever he got to within one, I I was looking around, and there's not... I mean we're grinding over this stuff. There's not a ton of like golf Twitter and different people watching. And I was kind of like, it, how, how is this? How does he have a chance to win the tournament? Like after he bogeys one, you're like, Oh, he's, you know, I joked on HQ. I was like, he's probably, he might withdraw and just head out to Tory. And, <laughs> and he's, oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> like, and then well he's, done. that's a good take. <laughs> and then he's within one after 12 holes. It was, I don't know. I, I guess I'm encouraged, uh, but only moderately so going into to the U.S. Open. He's just not been, he's not been very consistently good so far this year. And while the result and the numbers were better, it it's not the type of result that you're like, oh, I'm feeling him winning Torrey Pines, even though he very well might do that. What'd you see, Greg? Ah, oh, man. I'm just, uh, I'm definitely more optimistic than I was at the beginning of the week. There's no question about that. Um, but Dustin Johnson, you, you got to feel like he should have, he should have won this tournament from the beginning. Like, like from Thursday, Wednesday, last Sunday, whenever we talked about this first to um, about an hour ago, Dustin Johnson, maybe maybe an hour and a half or two hours ago, Dustin Johnson should have won this tournament. Uh, like at every step of the way, this was his to win. You have everybody melting around, and and you're playing great. Um, uh, but anyway, all, all that happened this week is he made two big numbers that kept him away from winning. He made a double on Friday on 18, and he made a triple today on 16. And if he doesn't do that, he wins. 
But going into U.S. Open, I'm still worried about his putting, specifically the short putts. We saw him miss one on 16. I saw him miss one earlier in the week as well. But he's having the worst putting career, uh, putting year basically of his career since at least 2013. He is the, the two big stats I look at in putting, strokes game putting. He's 106. Hasn't been that bad since 2013 or or, um, it's either 2013 or 2011. And in three putt avoidance, he's 154th. So in strokes game, that's what it is. He's he, It hasn't been that bad strokes game putting since 2013. It hasn't been that bad three putt avoidance since 2011. And when you hit it the way he does, which is um, n- not great for him, but still great, you, you win if you putt well. And he hasn't putted well at all this year. And I, I really worry about those short putts on, on the greens at Torrey. Thankfully, a three putt at a U.S. Open is never... Uh, affected his career um, right yeah n- no effect for him he had a putt on saturday greg from like four feet and it, it honestly might have been the worst putt i've ever seen from a top 10 player it, was that it, a birdie putt was that on like uh 12 or sub somewhere early back nine yeah and he had it like did a not, sand wedge in Oof. it did not get within a f- i mean it honestly I don't know if it was within eight inches of the hole from like three and a half, yeah. four feet. It was they, they showed like, the worm cam, right? The incoming worm. Yeah, cam. it was it was so un- bad. It was unbelievable. I, <laughs> yeah. I I could I couldn't believe how far like it didn't even come close to touching the hole. And it started so, yeah, offline. I'm, it was it was awful. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean. It's hard because he's in this, and we're going to talk about the U.S. Open a ton, but he's in that Mm -hmm. category of eight guys. If the rough is up and it's super long, you're like, these are the only eight guys that can win this tournament. It's been DJ Brooks, Gary Woodland, and Bryson over the last five years. So, I mean, it's that's the category of guy, and he's in it, and yet you don't really go to Tory with a ton of confidence about the way he's playing so i don't know i I have very mixed feelings about him going into the u.s open do you think he can flip a switch rick do you you think he can kind of do a like what brooks yes but be careful because sometimes he flips it off he flips it in both directions so yeah he he for whatever reason goes out shoots 80 80 70 78 for whatever reason he'll fall apart on a back nine but he also then backs it up with the i mean he i think he is one of these guys that flips it in both directions Right. So that, that's a little concerning. Yeah. Uh, I have to move us along, but talking about who should have won this tournament, uh, you know who should have won this tournament was Terrell Hatton. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. If he loses just if he loses just two strokes putting this week, he wins. Instead, he lost 3.2. Sorry. Hatton. We'll get to that in a second. Actually, yeah, we we'll, get to it right, we'll get to it right now. Um, oh, no. <laughs> hold on real oh, quick. Here we go. Our, our betting cards, first of all. Uh, oh, Mark, gosh. Mark was the winner. He was all in on South Africans. He was all in on Higo. Uh, Mark won. He had him as low South African. He had him in a matchup. Uh, surprisingly, I don't think he bet him to win, but Mark Mark won our, our betting contest for this week. That should be no surprise. One and done update. Uh, I'm going to try to start at the bottom here. Coach started the week at 2.5 million. He remains there because he took Keith Mitchell and it got him zero dollars. I feel bad. I feel bad for coach at this point. Like I also got zero dollars, but I just feel bad for coach at this point. Jacob, uh, 3.7 million is where he started the week. He went with Lucas Glover, the ambassador at Congaree, feeling all the good vibes. Missed the cut, zero dollars. Producer Jacob still at 3.7 million. That leaves us with Greg. We'll go to you. Uh, you started the week at, s- I can't do math, 6.7-ish. You got 56000 from Ian Poulter, who played well for the first couple of rounds, was hanging around, finished T25. Yeah, I'd rather have a tied second. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it's another good week for Ian Poulter. Uh, he's playing really well, playing nice golf. I'm happy with the pick. I just wish it went a little better for him over the weekend. I also had Lucas Glover. I stayed 8.2 million. Mark took Brooks Kepka, burned Kepka for $0. Oh. He stays at 7.9, which leaves Ouch. you, Kyle Porter, 
as the big winner of the week. You moved to 7.3 million. You are now within striking distance of both myself and Mark, and you are creating ground uh, between yourself and Greg. And the only the only consolation that the rest of us get is that it wasn't a, a solo runner up. It was a T2 for an a one, two, three, four, five, six way tie. 411,000. Yeah, I think he got less than I mean, I've had guys finish like seventh and get more <laughs> more money than uh, than Haddon got, but yeah, I mean, it, it was frustrating cuz he was I think he finished did he finish first from T to Green? I think he did. I oh, think he had to off, right? Yeah, oh, he second? finished first. No, he finished first right ahead of Hudson Swafford. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah, first. By like so, those got like a, a pretty significant margin over like the rest of the field. And he kind of started making yeah, he. I don't know. Um, real quick on Mart taking Brooks. Brooks is impossible to take. Like, where, where are you going to take him? You going to take him at the? I mean, Rick and I are about to have to labor over this next week because you can't take him at a major because you can't trust him. But the but a major. Well, you can't take him at a major because there's so many other guys that you trust more. But the a major is the only place you should take him because he does stuff like this where he. Misses a cut because he can't putt or he doesn't <laughs> he, want to putt. I don't know. He looked so, he was sitting on every tee box on every tee. Like, I know it was hot and swampy in South Carolina and they had to wait a lot. He was, every time I looked at PGA Tour Live, he was sitting on a tee marker. It was, I, it was driving me yeah. crazy. But the, the, uh, the top of this board is getting pretty interesting between uh, us three and, and Mark. We're all within what, one point. Five, I think, yeah, with and what next week will be like two million to the winner, so yeah, so it's yeah, it's, things uh, could change, yeah, things are moving quickly for Rick at the top. I, I've I've yeah. whiffed like eight weeks in a row, <laughs> and also I have been saving. Here are the two names I've been saving for next week Bryson and Brooks. Aren't I thrilled yeah, me about too. that? Like, me too. <laughs> what am I gonna do? This is craziness. Let's yeah. talk about it. This, this is uh this is Bef- your prevent defense. Before we do, I gotta take an ad break first. But before we do, uh two different guys got their tour card today, which I think is pretty cool. We talked about the first one, that is of course the winner, Garrick Higo, but Mito per- Mito Pereira got the battlefield promotion on the corn ferry. He won this for the third time uh, this year. And I think back to back weeks, I think he won last week or the week before too. So that, that to me is when you can win three times in the year on the corn ferry, get the battlefield or battlefield or battleground battlefield promotion. Battlefield. Uh, that's impressive stuff. <laughs> can we get Zalatoris a card yet? It's unbelievable. Don't get me. Don't do this. To me. <laughs> He's ranked like 20th in the world. <laughs> Everybody's got a card, but this kid. Yeah, it's hard to imagine if you're like if if you're designing the method to get on on tour, right? Considering world golf rankings and everything, it's hard to imagine that there's a path to do what Zalatoris did to not have a card and be wrecked where he's well, and it's 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 amazing. It's a perfect storm because normally, I mean, his his jumping off point was the U.S. Open, which happened at the beginning of the season instead of where it would normally happen, which is at the end. And so if you jumped right. off theoretically of the US, so if you qualified and then that was your jumping off point, you'd be like, okay, whatever. We've got a month or two until the end of the yeah. season. And he gets up there anyway, but it, yeah, it's really a, but he also would have gotten it through the corn ferry tour. Like, like he won the corn ferry tour last year, but, but there was no, yes. Again, nobody moves on. Yeah, per, right. exactly. It's crazy. All right, gentlemen, we are officially going to say goodbye to the Palmetto Championship. We are going to usher in U.S. Open Week with a quick little first look. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance 
Tournament's jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. And we're back. Just like that, I've declared it U.S. Open Week. It, we are now open for business. Tory Pines is the spotlight. And gentlemen, 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 oh boy, this board at the top, Greg, you see and myself did a little bit of a first look earlier to kind of talk about the course and maybe a little bit of the pricing. So let me start with you, Kyle, because uh, I don't know what to do here. We've got a ton of huge names at the top. John Rahm, now out of COVID protocol, is your favorite at William Hill. He's 11 to 1. Dustin Johnson is 14. Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka are both 16 to 1. And Jordan Spieth is 18 to 1. It seems like there are simultaneously questions about all of the top players, but they've all played well enough recently to at least make you want to nibble on them. <laughs> nibble on them. That's a, that's a funny way to put it. I, yeah, I'm so pumped. I love major. There, I don't think anybody loves major weeks the way that I do. I am so excited for the U S open. I'm excited to get out there. I've never been to Tory. Bryson's going to win probably by five, just like he was going to win the masters by five. Um, I've never been to Tory. No. Never oh been. My God, you are in for it, dude. It I'm is so. Good. I've never been to San Diego. I'm so oh. excited just to get out there. I'm pumped. Oh. I'm about to drive and just meet you there and just hang outside <laughs> on the street. I'll just, I'll just look in no. from. It, it's amazing. So. I, I can't wait. I love the U.S. Open. I think it's going to be such a blast. I think there's so many. I was doing storylines earlier. We're going to post it on the on CBSSports.com on Monday. There's so many really fascinating storylines. I mean, we don't need it. We'll go through them all at the beginning of next week. If you it, looking at the board, I think Bryson of the guys you mentioned at the top there is the only value. I I don't like Spieth here. Um, DJ, I, I don't, I don't know what to do with him. Rom is a little, I think Rom is, is value. I wouldn't like him at seven or eight or nine. I think when you get to the 11, 12, 14 range for him, I think that's, I'd like him at 12 or 14 better than 11. Uh, but Rom and Bryson are the only two guys there that I think have a, have a lot of value. We argued uh, if you can get Rory McIlroy's name with a two in front of it, or his odds with a two in front of front of it, Greg, uh, you should bet it. He's he's twenty to one. That that's what he is at William Hill, along with Xander Shoffley, uh, and then Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas are both twenty two to one. Which JT, I, I think JT's fascinating. I, I don't necessarily mean that in a in a good way. Greg, I mean, he's we know when he misses, he misses big. He hasn't played as great as his standards would normally uh, call for recently. But is he the guy at 22 that's just like the incredible value? Um, 
No, I don't think so. I, I, I just Fair watching enough. him play the last time he played. Now, look, it's very possible, um, maybe even probable that he's gotten these things figured out. But what I saw out of JT in his last outing, I can't even think of where this was. Um, it was after PGA. Memorial? I don't remember where he played. He played yeah, the Memorial. Uh, yeah, Memorial. I mean, it was so he was blading wedge shots, like the iron play, the the wedge play, the typical. It was so unlike JT. It was really bad. But but that attached to the inconsistent form going in. It's hard for me to write that off as a one off and say, okay, that was just a bad week. It's almost like it's gotten progressively worse, and that was a low point. So is he going to come back and all of a sudden win the U.S. Open? Um, I, I mean, I would like him if I didn't see what I saw at Memorial. <laughs> think his game fits but I, I have real questions Cantlay is more valuable to me coming off of a win he's from san diego the the really interesting thing about the top of the board is these guys don't really aside from rom they haven't really played here a lot recently in a very strange way and and if they have they haven't really played well um xander came in tied second in his last time but he's only made the cut here at, at the farmers twice it's, it's out of like peculiar. seven tries right he's, he's been so, Right. It's, it's bizarre. There. Rory is probably the guy with the best, aside from Rom, the the best history here. He, he's, yeah, he's he just started playing it 16. recently, and and he's played well. I think it's like like the last three years right. he's played it well. Yeah, I just I feel like people are going to do this thing with Rom where everybody's on him. It just seems so obvious, right? Oh, yeah, U.S. Like Open, Rom, San Diego tour, all the coming out of COVID, like he's hot, all like everything is pointing directly toward him. And usually it doesn't go like that, right? Maybe it will right. this week. I, I don't I don't know, but it just it seems almost too obvious of a pick. And maybe that's a yeah. Maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe 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 I'm dumb for for proposing that, but I, I just I don't know. It just doesn't it, it seems no, too straightforward. I, that, this is what I said on our preview, Kyle. I was like the the one thing that makes you question John Rahm is it's just too good to be true. And, yeah. and sometimes players know that too. All the all the reasons why we think he should win, he thinks he should win. Probably even his feelings are probably even stronger in that regard that he should go out there and and win this event. So that that's a lot of extra pressure for a player. There's a big difference between saying, "All right, I, I have a chance to win and I should win," um, and and it's a really big difference, and um, it, it can go one of two ways. So we'll see. I think. I think Brooks is super interesting. Um, he's been so, so good at U.S. Opens. I mean, I, I looked back at the last 10 years, and of all the guys that have played in at least three, I think he's got the f- second best top 10 percentage. So he, ha- he has 14 top 10s in 28 majors. Of all, yeah. all made it's half. And 11 and of them are top fives. And they're like real top 10s. Yeah. They're from they're from out in front. They're not, hey, I went into Sunday T twenty two and finished ninth. Uh, so and, I I interrupted though. You were talking about Xander. Well, so Xander's four for four in the US Open in terms of top tens, which is yeah. crazy. So and good. Brooks is Brooks is four for seven. But if Brooks wins, that's three in five years, and he would tie Tiger and Hale Irwin uh, with three U S opens since world war two, only Nicholas and Hogan have more than that. So we're talking about, I mean, I think sometimes we, again, we talk about, Oh, Brooks and Bryson and Brooks and Michelob, you know, all these different things. It's like, the, how about Brooks and Nicholas Hogan, Tiger and Hale Irwin? How about that group? <laughs> we, first well, we, of all, we, we are talk about that, but we can't, he doesn't let us. We, <laughs> that's true. Are, that's true. We are an Arnold Palmer spiked family here. There are no other alcoholic bears, unless they own each other, because that's usually how this works is like one company owns everything. So maybe maybe we're a Michelob Ultra family too. It's hard to tell. Producer Jacob is going to have to re- be reassigned to a different podcast. <laughs> All the plugs. Um, okay. You only get one storyline this week, KP. This is the only one you can talk about, the only one you can write about. Let me give you a couple options. Uh, Phil's quest for the career Grand Slam. Rom out of COVID. Brooks v. Bryson. The rough at Tory Pines. Those are your four options. You only get so, one. Like for the whole, like from Monday to Sunday, that's all I can Yeah, so you about. should probably take one that like not Phil because if he misses the cut, you're, you <laughs> yeah, can't write yeah. anything on the weekend. 
I would probably go Brooks and Bryson because it's the most, I don't want to do rough all week, even though that's the only one that's for sure you can do all week. Yeah. And that's the, that's the one where there's so many different angles to it. It could be Bryson back to back. It could be Brooks, uh, uh, three out of five years. Uh, it could be Brooks and Bryson together, which would be just an unbelievable. Like I was thinking about what are the what are the storylines that could top the first two majors that we've had this year, which has been Hideki with this just extraordinarily monumental win at the Masters, and then Phil with this improbable win at Kiowa, really a Brooks and Bryson finale would be one of the very, very few things that could top both of those, no, no matter who ended up winning. So, man, I, I think that would just, if we got that, that would, it, it's too much to ask for, but it would, it would, I mean, there are two of the guys that I think are in that group. If you're saying there's only eight guys that can win it, there are two of them. So it'd be, it'd be pretty sweet. My goodness. We we are in for it, Greg. I'm I'm on record by saying, and, and KP, I can't wait for you to get out. When do you get out there? Uh, Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday I, morning. I, I'm on record, Greg, as saying, uh, if you put a a landfill on the plot of land that that Tory Pines is on, it would be beautiful. Like it it doesn't matter the fact that there happens to be an iconic major championship course on that plot of land. Like it's just chef's kiss. Yeah, it's amazing. It really the the scenics are beautiful, and from what I've heard, um, not only from you, Rick, but from others who have been there, that it's it the TV just doesn't even do it justice. It's, no, it's no, it does dropping. not. So I, I think you're in for a treat, KP. And uh, by the way, I think the the rough special that you could write. I mean, you could talk. It could get really interesting. You talk about the rough left of one, the rough <laughs> right of one on Tuesday, the yeah. rough behind the behind one green. You could go really deep and talk and say. On, uh, on you know on Wednesday, the rough's still growing. They're going right. to graduate it. You know, there's a lot there. You could be the rough guy, and if there's a contra- if there's a Reed controversy again, you we would have to go to oh. you because you're the guy on yeah. on who who just wrote about rough left of ten, like or left ha- like you're that guy now. I hope there's a Reed controversy again. <laughs> we might we might lose Brian Harmon in the rough. I have a question for Kyle. Are you are you concerned you're not going to get there Monday to be the first person to drop a video of <laughs> dropping the ball in the rough like someone he's, else does on Monday of of you? He's USL? already he's already late. That's now happened Thursday of Congaree week. <laughs> well, Xander did it, didn't he? Yeah, he he created the content himself. Yeah, yeah. Yep. These guys with the pip are taking our job. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Now I'm I'm pumped. It's going to be an awesome week. Uh, the last, I mean, man, think about the. I, I know I mentioned the winners, but the last five U.S. Opens. Ever since since Keimer ran away at Pinehurst, that one wasn't that interesting. But uh, DJ Brooks Brooks uh, Woodland at Pebble was was cool, and then Bryson at Wingfoot. I mean, they've been they've been awesome. Like they've been really. Um, just fascinating. You didn't even mention Chambers Bay. Oh, I forgot. Spieth at Chambers Bay. I, I was mean, thinking that, that, was, that that was a thrilling. Yeah, Spieth doesn't have a chance here, does he, Greg? I, I would never say he has no chance because he does things like coming third at the PGA when he's got no form. He he, well, and, he and, knows and, how and, to and, score, but. That's and it's a similar course, right? In term, it's not a similar course, but it, in terms of the way it could be set up, Beth right. Page and and Tori, I think you could kind of compare similarly. You can look at them and say, "All right, there's ten guys who can win here." You you were saying and, eight, it could be that number, it could be ten, fifteen. And, there, there's a limit because it's so big, just like Beth Page Black. And Spieth doesn't seem like he should be one of them, and then he finishes third, and you're like, "I, I right. don't understand." Right, and he's had no form then, none. Zero. I'm like, gonna it, I'm gonna uh, talk myself into this by Wednesday. No, <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't give him no chance. Is all I'm saying. But I don't give him a very good chance. I don't like. He's not a guy that I like. I feel like he's kind of not great. Not feeling great about his swing right now. I, I don't know. The problem with my anti rom thing right now, like the it's too obvious. I I don't like anybody else. I don't really yeah. like Rory. I don't love dj i'm kind of out on jt winning this week can't lay just one morikawa i don't know if he's long i, I mean i don't know what to do other Xander like, doesn't every, win a lot it goes every on and on 
everything's pointing at Rom. I guess I guess Bryson. You could argue Bryson, but I don't know. It's going to be really, really intriguing. I'm I'm pumped for it. Last six years, minimum fifty rounds. Best putter on Poa. Any guesses? Because this guy's going to probably win it. Say it again. Last set six years since the start of 2015, minimum of 50 rounds. Best putter on Poa. Jordan Spieth. It's not a bad guess, but no, this guy has won at this golf course before. John P. Ron. Reed. Patrick Reed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's a short game. It, it's been if you look at the farmers, I can't wait to get into this because this is a it's a short game course. It's a short game course, but will it be for the U.S. Open? I don't know. We only have one sample size. It's it's just going to be great. I well, the, can't the wait po- to talk about how it's only the long hitters and that it's Spieth Reed dueling it out. And I, yeah, yeah so, right? I mean seriously, but the the board from 08 is weird too. Like it's got a bunch of it's kind of like the Kiowa board where you're like, I don't understand what the through line is on some of these right. guys. You know, so yeah, yeah we'll get into it all in next for week Eagle and stuff. Last thing, yeah. they're definitely gonna they're definitely gonna put the Sunday pin in the tiger spot, right? Like one hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. As long yeah. as they don't put it in the Kyle Stanley spot. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what what is wrong <laughs> with you? That was a, a homicide. <laughs> my word! Every every like five months, Greg just like destroys someone or something. <laughs> I did not yeah. see that coming. Yeah, it's usually, and he also has this thing with Kyle Stanley too. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's remembered every shot Kyle Stanley has hit like in his entire career. It's been amazing. He's got an amazing career. <laughs> All right, I think I you think you're right about key. it, Kyle. That might be yeah. your U.S. Open. Don't story. put this on me. Don't put this on me. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for our recap episode for this week's Palmetto Championship. It is now U.S. Open week. We've made it. Let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, that's Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at the real GFD. That's Kyle Porter, who will be on site at Torrey Pines, the South Course. Oh, gives me goosebumps. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.